I am unapproachable. And when I say unapproachable, I am using a capital U. If we're going to capitalize black as a state of being, then I'm going to capitalize unapproachable. My state of being isn't white. It's unapproachable. Not because I intentionally set out to be an unapproachable person. When I was five years old and some grown-up asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up while simultaneously blowing cigarette smoke in my face, because it was the 80s, I didn't say unapproachable. But because it is a state that others have ascribed to me, I have more or less made my peace with it. How do I know I'm unapproachable? Well, people tell me frequently, which always seems counterintuitive to me. If you find it difficult to approach me, then why, when you finally manage to get over your own bullshit and approach me, do you presently accuse me of being unapproachable? Is that a good start? to a relationship, shaking hands with someone you barely know and pointing out their perceived peccadilloes? Are you negging me? Did you just read the game? And did you think it was an instructional manual and not an entertaining but ultimately tragic story? You're trying to put me on my back foot like some sorority girl who's had a few too many jello shots? My favorite nag, by the by, is, uh, you know, I bet you would look really great with your hair up. It's so subtle. <laughs> it's uh, so deniable. And make no mistake, when someone calls you unapproachable, it is an accusation you make me feel less confident, and it's your fault. That's what they're telling you. People do that shit to each other all the time. We try to knock each other down to feel more secure in our place in the world. Um, Godfrey, the uh, stand-up, who everybody should fucking see live, by the way. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone just murder at that level for a whole hour. I saw Patrice O'Neill once back in like 2009 and he murdered, but he still had a, you know, he still had an ebb and flow. He'd like, he'd take a little time to collect his thoughts, you know, let everybody pause and catch their breath a little bit. Godfrey does not fucking do that. Uh, it's just a fucking attack. <laughs> I don't think I've never really seen anything like it. Um, but anyway, so Godfrey, uh, I think I heard, I think I heard this on a podcast or something he was on, says that Hollywood loves to put a black man in a dress, uh, which is true. Like a little light bulb in my head went off. I can think of a lot of black men in drag in mainstream movies and TV. Because white America is uncomfortable with intimidating 
black men in particular. And I think it's gotten worse in my lifetime. I find it hard to bring to mind any like edgy mainstream like black TV or movie actors who are millennials or younger. Like I grew up with Denzel, Sammy Jackson, who are fully capable of making an audience uncomfortable, fully capable of making a room full of whiteies fidget. But they can also turn on the charm and make you feel okay again. Is there a millennial Wesley Snipes? I can't think of one. Uh, But I would add to that the uh, black man at address thing. I would add that in general, America is uncomfortable with any intimidating man, whatever whatever his color. Like, I can't think of a millennial Bruce Willis or uh, Harrison Ford. I wouldn't even necessarily consider Harrison Ford intimidating, but... He definitely looks like a man. Whereas, I don't know, now it's... Everyone's got to look like an an overgrown little boy. And it's not necessarily literally in a dress. We may not be literally putting every man in a dress, but we we do sure love to soften a dude up with a sweater vest. Like, give him a salmon-colored scarf to wear. America loves some rockin' eight-pack abs on Instagram, but in real life, we just want to snuggle up with a dad bod. I looked online to try to find some sort of intellectual literature on being unapproachable. You know, maybe uh, an informative and pleasantly boring article from the Atlantic or the fucking New Yorker that takes, you know, at least a medium dive into the psychological phenomenon of unapproachableness. But there aren't any. What there is, is mostly bullshit popcorn advice columns, and being unapproachable is looked at as an obstacle to finding happiness. How do they define happiness? Fucking and money, mostly. They phrase it as dating or office politics, but it's really how to fuck more and how to make more money by being more approachable. And overwhelmingly, these articles are addressing women and how women can be more approachable to men. So, I don't know, so you can find a boyfriend and get married and buy a house and have babies and live your Disney princess American dream. This definition of unapproachable is not what I'm talking about. This definition centers around, like, insecurities and anxieties. And, you know, these girls are not making eye contact and they're fidgeting and they're burying their face in their phone and, you know, they dress like shit or they smell like shit. They don't engage in conversation or they engage in way too much conversation, telling boring stories, shit like that. This is not unapproachable. This is just boorish behavior. 
I'd like to say that if I was an adult woman, I would find these trashy clickbait articles fucking insulting. But I do know a few women who would benefit from reading at least one of these articles. Also, I know way more men who could benefit from taking a peek at them, too. Uh, But it's basically articles on how to sell yourself. Uh, And the advice is invariably smile more, laugh more, fix your body language, don't cross your arms, don't fucking cross your arms. Basically, the advice is to be a human being (laughs) or a completely different person. Uh, And it's all contradictory nonsense. You know, it's like, be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself and be genuine and also pretend to be someone you're not. That is not unapproachable. That's just you not knowing how to be a person in society. The unapproachable I'm talking about is when people find you intimidating. Not necessarily physically, but it can be that. Uh, They may just find you standoffish or aloof. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're worried you'll bite their head off. Maybe they're worried you'll just find them wanting in some way. Maybe they're worried you'll make fun of them. Essentially, they feel inferior in some way. Or maybe maybe it's more accurate to say they're worried they'll be made to feel inferior. They're anxious about the possible outcome of interacting with you, and they blame you for their anxiety. Now, the advice columns closest to this definition are geared toward men wanting to approach a woman they find attractive. Um, And you'll get a cornucopia of advice about interpreting body language. Like there's some sort of secret code of postures and mannerisms that will give you telepathy and you can tell exactly what the other person thinks and feels about you. Uh, Like women are constantly waving subconscious signal flags and if you only knew that mysterious sign language you could determine the outcome of an interaction and thereby alleviate your anxiety which is a fantasy you little bitch the vast majority of people are only thinking about themselves and the few who aren't aren't thinking about you at all one of the biggest fucking hucksters in the media is the body language expert. At what university can you get a postgraduate degree in body language? But it sounds kind of sort of scientific, so we give it legitimacy. It's kind of rapey when you think about it. You don't like what someone is telling you or you're afraid of the possibility of rejection, so you interpret how they're standing or how they use their hands or which way their legs are crossed to try to hack into their thoughts. The only real privacy any of us have left. So you're attempting to divine someone's intentions and opinions about you and see into their heart of hearts when in reality, They're barely aware that you exist in the universe. 
And the arrogance, the arrogance of assuming the other person person has no control over their own body and that their thoughts and desires are just being broadcast beyond their control. And the arrogance that you are an objective observer of these secret signals and that you have no stake in the outcome of your interpretation of their unconscious mannerisms. That your own internal tug of war of lust and anxiety won't shape the bullshit data you conjured into your own brain to fit the decision you already made 10 years ago to approach or not to approach. I found nothing about men specifically being unapproachable. It's all women. I don't know if that's because women are the only ones who are really going to read these articles, so they just gear them towards women, or if it is some sort of sexist dog whistle in our society. I'm inclined towards the former. Um, dudes are only going to read articles that they think might possibly get them laid in the future. That's pretty much the only way you're going to appeal to dudes. Um, women love reading anything that could remotely be about themselves. <laughs> Any Anything remotely geared towards a horoscope or a personality test, a fucking nonsense Myers-Briggs thing, any kind of woo-woo nonsense where women can somehow take a multiple-choice quiz and imagine that they're discovering their true selves. <laughs> that's how you write. That's how you market shit to women. Dudes, they just want to get laid. Women, they just want to find out about themselves. When really, you, you, you don't find yourself. You make yourself. So I found nothing about men being unapproachable. Um, I imagine it's probably, uh, you know, some shitty feminist would, would pretend it was a virtue. I've heard that a lot lately. Men are just free to be assholes and uh, everyone lets them get away with it and they succeed in life, which is not not wrong, really. Um, but I found, you know, I found no articles or advice or anything geared towards men who scare the shit out of people and how to counteract that to make yourself more open and friendly. That advice column does not exist. Uh, the only other stuff I could find about kind of related to being unapproachable is mostly office work. And pretty much all those were just how to approach your unapproachable boss. Uh, and if that advice encapsulates the drama of your life, then at some point in your life, you fucked up. If that's your biggest concern you fucked up somewhere along the way and it's okay 
I fucked up a couple times in life and ended up somewhere I didn't like. But just know, if you get an idea for a project at your office and you can't bring yourself to talk to your boss about it, you fucked up somewhere in life. How did you even end up in that situation to begin with? Fucking quit your job. Kill yourself. Do something drastic. Because that just sounds like purgatory. (laughs) You spend a lot of time and money getting you your degree to end up in fucking purgatory. But whatever. I don't give advice. It is not my intention to give anyone advice. At least not as far as fucking or making money. Uh, I'm not selling anything. I don't give a shit about you. I have no advertisers yet. I don't give a shit if you ever fuck or make money again. (laughs) That's your problem. I mean, I hope you do. But that's on you. I mean, by all means. I mean, go out there and get laid and make money. But that's on you. (laughs) I don't care enough to offer you any kind of advice. But I do care when people, when people navigate through the world thinking they're flawed somehow just because other people have made them felt that way. And I don't know why I care. I mean, I try to make it my personal mantra, what do I care? I tell myself that constantly, multiple times a day, what do I care? And it's not that I don't care, it's that I'm telling myself to stop fucking caring. But gaslighting is one of those those little nebulous injustices that it really pisses me off. And I wish it didn't, because I don't want to give a shit. But I can't help it, I do. It's the the ignoring the facts that really annoys me. So in the case of unapproachable... It's deemed a flaw. Uh, Not quite a disability. Maybe more of a a social disorder. You know, if you are categorized as unapproachable in that kind of intimidating, you make other people uncomfortable sense, they put the blame on you. But unlike Asperger's or autism, it's entirely okay to blame you and insist that you're the one who should take steps to rectify the situation. I get unsolicited advice fairly frequently on how to be more approachable. I get told to smile by strangers on the reg. And the annoying part of the Me Too movement for me is the shitty behavior that people commit or a lot of the shitty behavior that everyone commits is placed solely on men. Women perpetrate inappropriate comments and touching on me pretty frequently. Women tell me to smile all the time. Women explain shit to me I already know all the time. A woman suggested to me last week that I should grow my hair out a little more so I look softer. Go fuck yourself. And then 
maybe two, three years ago, I tried pointing this out to a few women when Me Too was kind of new. And not really as a defense of men, because I don't really give a shit about men. But it was more of a... More of like, people can be shitty regardless of gender. People do little nitpicky things to everyone, regardless of gender. And then, you know, it's kind of me trying to say, I feel your pain. I've been in a similar situation. I know it sucks. And those women did not want to hear it. Men were all pieces of shit. And if a woman is shitty with me... I'm supposed to just stand there and take it because I can always punch her in the face because I have that ability. I just have to take it. And my response is in what world can I just punch a woman in the face? I mean, I know what world that world is called the middle East. They love punching women in the face in the middle East, but in America juries don't look very favorably on it. So I guess my choices are navigating an uncomfortable situation or consenting just to get it over with or punching her in the face and then going to prison and getting raped. Those are my three options, which are pretty close to a woman's three options. Now that I think about it, it's kind of similar choices. See? Equality. Feminism means we're equal. Doesn't mean you're fucking better. There is no fix to being unapproachable. Because ultimately, it is not your problem. You'll waste a lot of time and energy tiptoeing around everyone else's neuroses and insecurities. You can't spend your life playing whack-a-mole, quashing people's opinions and assumptions of you. But it behooves you to recognize and understand why you're unapproachable. You know, know thyself. For me, I was not born unapproachable. I was born a little ginger sweetheart. I was cute. I was adorable. I had curly red hair I was uh, my mother was in the army when she had me back in uh, 1976 so I was a bicentennial baby it's also the year of the dragon No, not a brag or anything I'm just saying I got the coolest Chinese zodiac sign um, which means nothing um, yeah so my mother had me when she was in the army and she was single So, uh, I had to live with my grandmother and one of my aunts in Riverside, California, which is, uh, kind of a shitty part of California, but it's still California. So it's kind of nice. Um, and then my mother, you know, cause she was single and, uh, I think if you're single, you can't be like a single parent in the army cause they might have to send you to war. So you have to have somebody, uh, You know, you have to have family or somebody, like, take care of your kid. Um, So up until I was about four, I was just kind of raised by my grandmother and one of my aunts. And, you know, they're very kind of like liberal, granola, kind of hippie-ish feminists. And, uh, you know, I was very sweet. 
I was very outgoing. I was socialized by adults, so I uh, I learned to read and and talk in complete sentences fairly early. Um, no violence or anything in my, you know, world. And uh, I was very outgoing, you know, and like a little chatterbox. And then my mother married my stepdad I have now, who's basically my dad. Who's really cool. And then uh, I went to go live with them in Germany, in Berlin. And uh, that was a whole other world. I was getting my ass kicked pretty much every day. Or at least getting in a fight or afraid of getting in a fight. Um, up until I was about maybe eighth grade. Uh, and I stopped being outgoing and friendly. I had to, I had to adapt to survive. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't Southside Chicago. There's not bullets whizzing by my head, but you know, violence and the threat of violence was always in the air. And, uh, eventually I had to get... You know, I had to get a stony, don't fuck with me face. I didn't want to be in a fight every day. You know, if you look mean, people tend to fuck with you less. So I wasn't born unapproachable. I uh, became that way at a pretty early age, though. Mm. I don't know if anybody is really born unapproachable. Who knows? Is that a nature Nurture? I'd say nurture. Maybe a few people are born that way. Um, and now I haven't lived in that environment for 30 years. Um, you know, I guess once I joined the army, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have to be unapproachable anymore. There are plenty of outgoing, friendly people in the army. Or in the military, you know, just kind of those, uh, have that kind of magnetic personality. Um, it's not really necessary to cultivate a fucking stone cold Steve Steve Austin face when you're in the military. But, you know, that was just kind of a part of me. That was a big part of my personality. Um, so why do I remain unapproachable? I'm capable of change if I want. I think the reason is I don't really get much out of relationships with other people. <laughs> Most people I know seem to get a lot out of their relationships, their friendships, even their uh, acquaintances. You know, I know a lot of people who are, you know, their schedules are constant lunches and coffees with all kinds of people. And I'm always like, what the, f what the fuck are you keep in contact with all these people for? They can't be that interesting. I've met a lot of people. Most are not interesting enough to like interrupt my day to have lunch with them. Um, but relationships are uh, transactional, you know, on, on an emotional level. People get things out of them. They, they get something from other people just by being in their presence. People get something out of going to brunch together or, or happy hour or fucking golfing together. And I do get something out of a, a few, a very few relationships, but it's pretty rare. And it's not a huge deal if those relationships just kind of, you know, drift apart. I've never felt as if I was 
missing anything by being unapproachable um, in that way. And most people are a fucking drag. A few people are great. You know, the few people I know and keep in contact with are great, which is why I, I'll go out of my way to at least text every couple months. <laughs> but most are, most people are underwhelming. And there have been times when, when I worried about being unapproachable, when uh, it seemed like it was uh, hurting me, you know, sometimes financially, like when I started personal training. I'm not a, a gregarious person. I don't want to say I'm not outgoing, because that implies that you're shy. I'm not shy. I just don't care. So that as a personal trainer is not great, because personal training is really less about training and more about the sales. Uh, and it really helps to be an, an outgoing, gregarious person if you're going to be in a sales game. Um, so I worried about it for about that first year I was training when I, you know, was not making money at it <laughs> when it was a, when it was a futile effort or a few, almost a futile endeavor. Um, training is almost like a pyramid scheme. It's like, you're kind of set up to fail from the beginning. Actually, I just read an article about how truck driving works. And that is a fucking futile enterprise. Like, I, it's no wonder truckers are fucked up. <laughs> it's just, that's a, that's a shit. You want to be a trucker? That's a shady fucking business to get into. Um, training's kind of like that. Um, so that first year, it's like, I knew people weren't going to, people at the gym are not going to come up to me and just, throw their disposable income at me like but I was not great at just the cold approach like hey how you doing I see you work out here a lot oh you like this machine like I can't <laughs> can't do that fucking game uh I'm great with a one-on-one -on -one. so I just made it work eventually you know when you sign up for a gym they, you they give you a free personal training thing and that's just a sales pitch so uh, don't go into one of those, um, thinking you're going to learn anything about training. Like you should have, I'm not saying don't do it, but you should have, uh, if you're not at least entertaining the thought of, you know, training with somebody once a week or more, then I wouldn't even bother to waste your time with that thing. Um, really what I would do is I would just hang out at the gym for a while and work out and then get a feel for who the trainers are that work there. And then if one of them seems like they might appeal to you, then go up and approach them. Um, but then there would be cards. So I never really went up and approached many people. Sometimes, you know, some people are just friendly and they'd come up and talk to me and that was cool. They would never train with me though. <laughs> they just wanted to be buddies with somebody at the gym. <laughs> they would never train with me though. They, I don't know. There's some people want to be the mayor of wherever they're at and they want to know everybody in there. So, um, normally I would do the one-on-one, -on -one. you get your little free membership, you get your free personal training session and I would sell people on that. And I got to be pretty good at that. You know, if, if you sign up for an appointment with me, I can turn on the charm, but 
That's because you've already demonstrated at least some interest in possibly buying what I have to sell. Um, but if you're just on the treadmill, I'm not going to go up and bug you. I, you know, Some trainers would do that, and they were great at it. They were not great at training, but they were great at approaching people <laughs> and selling shit. And most people don't really need a good trainer anyway. You just need somebody to hold you accountable. Uh, it's really only if you have had like a fair amount of injuries or surgeries, then you need a good trainer who's not going to fuck you up. But um, I worried about it, you know, for a good year. And even a little after the year, I knew it was going to be a liability. It was going to hurt my ability to pay my rent being unapproachable. Um, sometimes because I look, um, I look like I might have voted for Trump. <laughs> sometimes I worry about what my look is, even though, you know. There's not much I can do about it. <laughs> but lately, uh, it was never a big deal if people had thought I voted for Bush. Because you weren't automatically branded a racist if you had voted for Bush. Um, but I look like I might have voted for Trump. And people... That's sort of a new addition to my unapproachability. And uh, you may as well have uh, punched a baby in the face, <laughs> at least where I live. Uh, I found lately, especially this last year, people are people have been trying to trick me into uh, revealing my inner Nazi. <laughs> They're just kind of placing a lot of little landmines and tripwires in conversation. You know, just... Seeing if I'll take the bait. <laughs> Seeing if I'll step on that landmine. <laughs> uh, you know, because of what I look like. Uh, I look like the doorman at an alt-right convention. I look like I'm taking bets at a Proud Boy Fight Club. Uh, and it's a bit my fault that I look like this, you know. It's, it's my fault that I care about my long-term health and I work out six days a week. And it's my fault I... You know, I, I don't fall apart and cave into temptation when someone opens a box of donuts. You know, it's also my fault I inherited the gene for male pattern baldness. <laughs> Trump uh, Trump mentioned the Proud Boys during that shit show of, of a debate last week. Um, so I've been getting a lot of, so what do you think about the Proud Boys? You know, just kind of like, I'm just asking your opinion. I go, I I see that fucking Claymore mind you just set up in front of me. <laughs> and then I love it because my response is, I don't think about the Proud Boys. <laughs> like, why would I? I literally don't think about the Proud Boys. But since everyone's asking me, I think it is kind of crazy that that whole thing started as a joke on the radio. And now look what it's become. Also, I keep reading that they're white supremacists, but I'm pretty sure the leader is like Latino. 
And there's definitely like black and Asian Proud Boys. At least there was a couple of years ago when I'd first heard about them. When like you know, and I heard of this the whole Gavin McGinnis story. Um, so I don't know. Even if I did think about the Proud Boys, I wouldn't know what to think. At best, it's a hipster boys club. And at worst, it's a hipster gang. <laughs> Uh, like a hipster biker gang, except instead of Harleys, they have beard oil. Either way, they're not terribly interesting. Uh, someone last week told me with uh, a lot of authority in their voice that the white, that the Proud Boys were white supremacists, and and I mentioned that that there are non-white Proud Boys. You know. I'm like, oh, definitely they're a misogynistic or a chauvinistic boys club, sure. Maybe some elements of kind of fascism. It does remind me a little bit of like, you know, maybe like uh, swing era, 1920s Berlin. Um, Reminds me a little bit of that. I don't quite know if they're fascist or not. Maybe they have some of those fascist elements. And I don't know that fascism is synonymous with white supremacy. It's like they can go together. I don't know that you have to have one with the other. Um, And then she said, (laughs) with even more authority in her voice, uh, that there are black white supremacists. She said, oh, no, there are black white supremacists. And I didn't know how to continue the conversation. after she told me that there were white supremacists who were actually black. Um, If this is what other people have to offer me, why the fuck would I want to be more approachable? I did read something, uh, one article on being unapproachable. It was written by a woman encouraging other women to be less approachable, to be more unapproachable so that men don't harass them. Uh, so that men don't catcall them and, and like ask them out these piece of shit men. Uh, and that is absurd advice. If you're hoping to meet a decent guy to date, because no amount of unapproachableness is going to deter predatory or even mildly annoying dudes. Because as an unapproachable person, I can tell you from experience that narcissists and otherwise selfish people, they don't consider anyone unapproachable. Or if they do, it makes you more attractive to them. If they feel that you have something they want, there's nothing that's going to keep them from bothering you. No matter how deep you bury your resting bitch face into your phone. Some people have no capacity for empathy. They're not capable of considering whether or not you're open to an approach. Because they're not thinking about you at all. They're only thinking about themselves. Their need for validation overwhelms all other considerations. So my advice to women, if they want guys to stop bothering them, actually, I have no advice. I told you, I don't give a shit, but I don't know how to get dudes to stop bothering you. I do know how to get nice dudes 
to never talk to you. But those shitty dudes, you just you just got to live with that. We all have to live with shitty people. I have to live with, you know, some lady behind the checkout counter at Trader Joe's just telling me to smile because she doesn't like my, my resting bitch face. I'm like, bitch, ring up my shit and stop interrupting my podcast. I didn't come here to have an interaction with you. Like, why haven't you been replaced by a machine yet? I would say the that's the biggest downside to being unapproachable. It's not that no one approaches you. Some people do still approach you occasionally. It's that you really have to be on your guard when someone does approach you. Now, is that an argument for being more approachable? No. Self-assured, confident people and fucking lunatics will always approach you. Those two extremes of people. Hopefully, more of the former. More confident, interesting people rather than the fucking narcissists and lunatics. They're going to approach you regardless. So why would it behoove you to be more approachable? Who Approachable to whom? To the endless horde of mediocre zombies in the middle? The people who do find you unapproachable are anxious little bunny rabbits. Why make it easier for them to insert themselves into your life? What do you think you're missing by having them not approach you? And we all know and like people who are friendly and outgoing and non-threatening and, you know, it's nice to have them in your life. But if you're not that person, don't try to emulate them. I mean, you can't without becoming a completely different person. Office, offices, office workplaces are full of fake, disingenuous people all tiptoeing around each other's perceptions of each other. And they're all miserable under their fake smiles. And they all talk shit about each other behind their back. They're all on the verge of a psychotic break. And the monotony of their lives is only broken up by Tuesday talk therapy and Thursday happy hour. Don't try to be unapproachable. You don't really have anything to gain from it. Sometimes being unapproachable backfires. Uh, oh, yeah, with the bo- fucking body language. Um, about maybe two years into being a trend. No, actually, it's after my first year of being in a trend. I might have been doing it about a year and a half. So I was at this point making money. Um, I still hadn't paid off the credit card I had maxed out while trying to be a personal trainer because it was all uh, groceries and gas. Like that first year, I, you know, about $12,000 worth of food and gas just to survive and get to this gig. Um, I was finally starting to be able to pay it off. I had definitely hadn't paid it off yet. I think that took me two or three years to pay off. Um, but I had some breathing room. I was like, all right, I'm climbing up out of the red. Um, and then, uh, I had a fair amount. I've always 
had a fair amount of women I trained. I usually didn't train a lot of men unless they were older men, but I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of women who were, you know, maybe 25 to 45. Um, and this was a springtime. So yeah, I was definitely a year into it. So this was maybe around in April or May, some sort of spring fever was going on because I had three of my clients, three of my women clients, one was married two were living with their boyfriends and then within the span of like three weeks three of three of these clients each sent me an email separately like they didn't really know each other professing their love for me um and i was in a full-on panic because this this represented almost you know this was probably a third of my income these three women like like two of them trained twice a week, another one trained three times a week. And I knew like, oh, now I'm going to lose these girls. I was like in a panic and I was pissed at them, at these fucking bitches who just decided they were in love with me. And I knew that was the end of it. Like I, I couldn't really train them anymore. I tried. I was like in a panic and I was trying to like deflect and, and they, you know, they were cute. I had no interest in any of them. I didn't, I would, is not dating at this point. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get a stable foundation and make some money. I don't have time to fucking date and I don't have time to like be a home wrecker <laughs> for three different women. Um, and one of them, one of them really annoyed me because like all three of them, here's what happens if you're, I think there's, it's a thing in therapy. I've never done therapy, but, uh, I think it's pretty common. People will kind of fall in love with their therapists. I think it's kind of common. People will like get a crush on their trainers. And I knew it wasn't because I was some irresistible sex machine, even though I am, it's because you're working out, you're producing endorphins you're getting a lot of a lot of dopamine, a lot of serotonin. You're getting these these good feelings, and then you start to associate those good feelings with whoever you're with. So I knew it wasn't me. It was just I was making these girls sweat. They were getting some stress out. Uh, they were looking a little bit better. They were getting fit, and then all these endorphins and and dopamine and serotonin and shit. They were just associating me with that. So they developed a little crush. And uh, one of the girls really annoyed me because she, uh, she tried to blame me for it in a weird roundabout way. And it was all about, it was a long email about her interpreting all of my body language. It was kind of like, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's, it is, <laughs> it's kind of like, some dude rapes some girl and then blames her for how she blames it on her for how she was dressed. It was a little like that. Like she blamed me for making her fall in love with me because of my body language. <laughs> and she went on a long list of like interpreting all these little mannerisms I do and how that was like a secret code for how I really wanted her and she wanted me, but she loved her husband. It was a whole thing. And I'm like, all right, you got to go. We I just can't train anymore. <laughs> I can't. Or one specifically was, uh, I guess I licked my lips a lot. 
Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking thirsty. Like I'm training six people in a row and I forget to drink water all the time. Cause it's just like, it's go, go, go. You don't really get to space out when you're training people. It, you know, it's not terribly hard, but you do have to be focused. Um, and you're constantly like running around the gym and creating workouts and, and then you just forget, you forget to piss and you forget to drink water and you like simultaneously have to piss and you're thirsty the whole fucking time you're there. So yeah, I licked my lips. And then another one's like, I'd put my hands on my hips and my fingers were pointing to my cock. So that meant I wanted her to think about my cock. <laughs> I'm like, like, you got to go girl with your fuck. What, what nonsense body language article did you read? I did not really have any romantic feelings towards her, although she did have great tits. God damn, she did have great tits. I did enjoy like looking at her tits bounce around, even though most of the hour was me trying to not let my eyes rest on her tits to not make her feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it was really hard because she did have some great tits, um, you know, but she was insane. So there's no way I really was going to date her. I'm not a slavering idiot is I'm just going to fall all over myself for a pair of nice tits. I know what they're attached to. They're attached to a fucking lunatic. They were pretty nice though. Um, so what does being approachable even look like? So all the, all these dumb little advice articles, they all try to define what unapproachable looks like in their own way. So what's the alternative? What does approachable look like? Apparently, smiling all the time like a fucking manic girl scout trying to get elected queen of cookies and also never ever under any circumstances on pain of being stripped naked and pelted with rotting cabbages never cross your fucking arms don't even think about crossing your arms unless you want to see all the nervous little bunny rabbits scatter in every cardinal direction apparently crossing your arms is a fucking capital offense. I don't know why. What am I, what do I do with my arms instead if I don't cross them? They never tell me, they never say that. They never give an alternative. All these body language quacks are silent on that one. I guess I'm just supposed to let them hang at my sides like I'm a fucking heroin addict. I'm doing the junkie lean. You know, like I'm a forgotten puppet hung from the ceiling by its strings in the bag of a gypsy wagon. I mean, maybe that'll make me more approachable and my dance card will finally be full. Arms get heavy. You can just let them hang at my sides. Like, sometimes you got to prop your arms up. I might, like, put them on my hips a little bit, but that can be a little aggressive. Maybe I'll put them in my pockets. That looks too nonchalant. What's my other option? I got to cross them. That makes me look defensive. I'm not defensive, bitch. Defensive for who? For you? <laughs> you think you make me feel defensive? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> if you want something, if you want to approach me, then you want something from me. And maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll get it. But if you let the position of my limbs stop you, however I've decided to arrange my arms in that moment, maybe whatever it is you want from me 
You don't want it that bad. Maybe you don't really know what it is you want. Maybe subconsciously you realize that what you want is an imposition and you don't have anything of value to offer me in return. And I'm not talking about money or anything tangible. Maybe you just want to get to know me. Why do you want to get to know me? Don't you know enough people? I fucking do. I know more than enough people. And I'm not opposed to knowing more. As long as they add something to my existence. And again, I'm not talking about a tangible quid pro quo. But I'm not not talking about that. Are you going to offer me some sort of amusement or entertainment? Are you interesting to talk to? Are you funny? Do you see the world in a way that's different than mine? And can you articulate it? Are you nice? I like genuinely nice people. Are you mean? I fucking love mean people. Are you needy? Then fuck off. The worst thing about needy and narcissistic narcissistic people is that no one is unapproachable to them. You can point a fucking gun at them and they'll still ask you for shit. Why do you even want to approach someone? Like, do we ask ourselves that? I don't know that I do. People expend so much emotional and psychological energy over someone's approachability without considering why they want to interrupt that person's day in the first place. Most of the time, we approach someone because we want something from them. We want their bodies. We want their money. We want their time, their attention, their influence, their approval, their adoration. We want their entire fucking lives till death do us part. Is it any wonder why some people might be unapproachable on purpose? And even if we consider why someone seems unapproachable, maybe it's all in our head. Maybe they appear unapproachable because we know the only reason we're focused on them at all is because we want something from them. Do we ask ourselves what we want and why we want it? And do we ask ourselves, what do I have to offer them in return? It's something I uh, I catch myself doing when uh, I'm worried about being unapproachable. Sometimes I'll worry about it. Sometimes I'll try to be more approachable, shake it up a little bit. I don't think it ever turns out well, but <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should be a little more, a little more open in this setting. You know, on the rare occasion, I do make an effort to be more gregarious. Um, I kind of catch myself doing this one thing and talking to people and no one's ever called me on it. So maybe it's not a problem. It might just be all in my head. But if I were talking to me, I would think I'm a narcissist. So someone is talking about something or telling a personal story and their personal story is so boring. <laughs> so fucking boring. And then I'll find myself telling my own 
similar personal anecdote. And I think I do this because like my intention is to seem relatable since I am all too aware people find me unapproachable. Um, and for whatever reason, I'm, I'm trying to not be that for this particular person. So in my mind, I'm reassuring the other person that their experience is valid, even though it's not. And they're boring, this, they're boring as hell. I don't want them to realize that I think they're fucking boring. I'm not a monster, you know. But then I wonder if they think I'm trying to one-up them or that I'm only interested in talking about myself, which is not true. Just because other people are boring doesn't mean I'm interested in talking about myself. I'd rather not talk at all, especially to this person. I guess sometimes I doubt my own ability to hold a fucking conversation. Or is that what conversation really is? Boring each other with our lame-ass stories. <laughs>